Jonah chapter 3. And allow me to echo the sentiment that I think Pastor Carlson beautifully communicated. Happy 27 years, church. What a, uh, what a day to celebrate what God has done. I remember uh, a couple years ago, it was, I think, leading up into the vote for the change of pastor. And Dad and I were sitting outside on, on that bench. I don't know if you remember that. And you came to me and you said... He was just looking at the building and surveying the property and tears were in his eyes and he said, I could have never imagined that. He said, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do this. It's only for God. And we give honor to him today for, for 27 wonderful years. It's a little nostalgic. I was thinking as Eric was talking um, for at the the beginning part of the church, I was just learning how to play the drums. My sisters uh, were maybe a little further ahead of me in, in, their, in their efficiency in piano. And uh, we were it. We were the music team. And um, we would set up and tear down. We would, we would bring all the musical equipment up from the basement, load it in the car, drive to the Best Western Hotel. You remember Jeff and Janet. You were there. And, um, you know, I, I remember some Sundays where... where uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Bishop was preaching, and we were we were singing some of those old time songs, and you were all uh, you were all clapping on the one and three, which would have thrown a drummer off because you're supposed to clap on the two and the four, and and that's why it sounded like chaos in here. And um, but there'd be times that I would get off, and, and Dad, who would be leading worship, would say, "We're just gonna go without drums for the rest of this worship service." And now to see uh, my nephew. Uh, on the drums today, and my daughter up here. I, I would probably have been 12, 12, 11, 12 when I started playing the drums, and the girls would have been in their mid to late teenage uh, years. And uh, it, it was, it's been such a fun, fun experience. Living for God is not dull. What, 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 a, what an adventure that God has had us on, and all glory goes to Him. Amen. I would be remiss if I didn't say to my beautiful bride, we celebrated on Friday 16 wonderful years. And, and so I love you very much. And uh, I, I am blessed with the best. I, I have said it before, and, and it's, it's the truth. I just It's a statement that truly encapsulates. If you ever see a picture of Angie and I, she always looks stunning, and I always look stunned. And I'm trying to think, even after 16 years, how did this happen? Like, wow, God really gives you the desires of your heart. And, uh, and then Sister Haley has some new hardware on her finger. Uh, she got engaged on Friday, and we're so happy for her and Hunter. Man, a lot of exciting things taking place at the church. Baptisms and babies and weddings, and wow, it just... Thank you, Jesus. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 
If you count that, I did. That's an eight-word sermon. Eight words. I've already, I, I've already exceeded that. And look at the response. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. This may be a little over eight words. But we've been on a journey about made for more. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of discovering our purpose, how each of us has been created with purpose. That purpose is, uh, it was given to us by God. It's not, it's not yours to create. It was his that while you were still in your mother's womb, he had already written a book. It's a good book. A book with chapters filled of potential and possibility. Last week, we talked about wrestling with purpose. Sometimes, you know, we uncover what we're supposed to do, but it's doing it. And so we wrestle and we, we try to, maybe we don't run like Jonah did, but, but we, we sure give God a little bit of fight. And today I wanted to close up this series and I want to talk about walking in purpose. Walking in purpose. And, uh, and so I, I hope this, this series has been, I know there's, there's a lot to this purpose, will of God. It, 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 it exceeds a three-week series. There's, there's a lot. It's complex. But I'm going to ask that God would give us what we need this closing week so that we as a church, as we move into our 28th year, that individually we would walk in purpose. Amen? Why don't you set your Bibles down and why don't you pray with me that God would speak to us this morning what he wants to speak. Would you do that? Would you lift your voice with me? Would you ask him to, to touch and speak to your heart that no distraction would hinder you from receiving what he wants to say or what he wants to do? Jesus, we love you so much. We praise you, God. Amen. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. This morning, I can confidently say that it's God's will that you walk in purpose. Everyone here today, with no exceptions, was created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And once we discover this, it starts us on an incredible journey. It's a path of walking in purpose, a path of developing our purpose, a path of fulfilling our purpose. If you've been taking notes through this series, I'd encourage you to write this down. And I'll try to, try to be your tour guide today. I'll tell you some things that you may want to write down and maybe revisit during the week. And I'd have you write this down today. My purpose has a path. My purpose has a path. It's, it's a, a path that will come with different seasons, different positions, different responsibilities, different circumstances. And as time passes, more purpose is revealed and more avenues to fulfill that purpose expressed. It bears repeating that we remember that purpose and position aren't the same thing. 
Many people today have misunderstood purpose for position. And they think their, their purpose is found in their position. And therefore, when they lose that position, or when that position doesn't come, or when a little bit of discontentment comes inside of them and they look across the aisle and see someone else in a position, they're easily able to, to reject or to stay still or to stop moving. But, but our, our purpose is bigger than position. Position is the vehicle in how we fulfill purpose. And so as you grow and mature in God, there will be vehicles that he will say, hey, this is an opportunity for you. This is how you're going to fulfill your purpose. But ultimately, God is the one who opens the doors of opportunity and reveals the way we should go. David, David clearly understood this. He wrote in Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11, he said, you will show me the path of life. Later, he would say in the psalm chapter, or, or the shepherd chapter, he said, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So, so we never think it's about us. The, the doors he opens, the opportunities he presents before us, as he guides us and reveals us, it's not for your benefit. It's all for his name's sake. It's all so that he gets the glory. What's happened these past 27 years hasn't been about a man or a woman. It's not been about a family. And if we look at a church and we think it's all about a family, we've missed it. It's all about him. Everything that happens in this building, everything that happens with this community of believers is not about me. It's all about him. And so he gets the glory when everything happens. When things go good, we say glory to God. Because of the great things he has done. He's the one who establishes the path. He reveals the path. It's God who accomplishes purpose through you on this path. In, in life, I've found that walking on this path of purpose can be found by daily walking with the Lord. I've also found that we tend to overcomplicate this. There's many people today that uh, they look at purpose like a complex mathematical formula. Any people like trigonometry in this room? Good for you. <laughs> Not me. I, I was going to be an electrical engineer until I took functions, statistics, and trigonometry. And then I said, it's not my purpose. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm really good with a calculator, though. But some of us, we, we look at purpose a, as this complex thing. We, we do personality profiles and disc assessments, and, and we know what number we are on the Enneagram, and, and we have all of these things, but we have no clue where God is leading us. And what happens is paralysis by analysis. We become paralyzed because we, we see everything and we become like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs and we think, peradventure I move and get it wrong, I'll just sit here and do nothing. And I found over the years that purpose is truly just walking with God. Amen. Purpose fulfilled happens when I'm walking with God. Great men of the Bible were defined by this. Scripture says that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, because God took him. At some point in his life, he, he, he had 
captured the heart of God, that God said, you know what? I'm just going to bring you home. (laughs) I love you so much, and we've enjoyed this walk, but why don't you just come home? And Enoch one day was with the Lord, and then one day he was not. For God said, it's time for you to come home. Noah, it says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, Noah walked with God. It was his walk with God that, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then one day God said, I have a plan. And there's this man who's been walking with me this whole time. And you're going to be a part of this plan. And I want you to build this ark. Genesis 17.1 says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am almighty God, walk before me. And, and as a result of, of Abram walking one step at a time, covenant happened. And then he kept walking a little further, and the promised child that him and his wife had been waiting for comes to pass. Each individual walked with God, and God had a path for them to walk on. You see, there's stability in the walk. There's consistency in the walk. Some people don't see purpose fulfilled because they have a hard time with the walk. Constantly going wherever they want. Constantly doing whatever they want to do. But these men and women of God walked with the Lord. And in the walk, they became familiar with his voice. In the walk, they became aware of his desire for their lives. In the walk, they became obedient to his promptings. The same is true for me. The same is true for you. And the same was true for Jonah. However, Jonah decided to get off the path and take a detour. He decided that it was best to reject God's purpose and follow his own plan instead. He he felt, I can do it better than you can, God. I have a better idea of the future than you do. And because he was willing to map out his life, and because God's plans didn't fit into what he had mapped out, he goes to Tarshish, where where God says, go to Nineveh. This was the place that... Jonah wasn't supposed to go, and as a result of disobedience, we we finished last week talking about this. He ends in the belly of a great fish. A a fish that says the Lord prepared for him. God said, okay, listen, grace and mercy are going to provide you an opportunity. And we're thankful for the grace and the mercy of God because the reality is, is we all fall short of the glory of God. Jonah was never intended to be in that fish. He was never intended to be on that boat. God's grace and mercy finds him in the depths of the sea. And Jonah repents and God hears and responds. And scripture says this in Jonah 2 and 10. It says, the Lord spoke to the fish. Imagine that conversation. Hey, fishy. Who's a good fishy? All right, I created you for a purpose. Now it's time to complete it. And the fishy vomited Jonah out. And watch what happens. Time elapses. And Jonah's purpose remains the same. Yeah, he may have looked different. He definitely smelled different. But as he dusts himself off and adjusts his eyes, he goes, I'm in Nineveh. Because the reality is, is delay and disobedience could not change the purpose that God had for Jonah's life. And I think this is something that we need to understand today. Maybe you're sitting in in this sanctuary today, and you've messed up. 
and you've been living life to yourself, and, and you're speaking in your head while you listen to me, because I, I know I've been there. I, I, I've been there where the, the preacher has said something, and you go, yeah, but you have no idea about my life. That might be good for the rest of these fine people, but, 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 but if you knew my past, you would know that there is no purpose that God has for me. And I'm here to tell you today that God's purpose hasn't changed for your life. You may have ran out. You may have walked away from God for a while. You may be living in a cycle of sin, and, and, and today is a good day. And maybe you're the poster child of delay, and maybe you're consistently resisting and running from every open door that God presents for you. But I'm here to tell you that his purpose hasn't changed. The plan that God has for your life hasn't changed. God doesn't look at you and say, you're a lost cause. He doesn't look at you and say, you know what? You're delaying for so long, I'm going to forget about you and go to someone else. No, God says, listen, I can still use you. My purpose hasn't changed. Now, understand something. Detour may have taken you the long way. And, and because of delay and disobedience, you may not look the way you started on the journey. You may have some scars. You may have some wounds. You may have a past filled with, with things that are going to attack your mind. You, you may be living in the law of reciprocity because just because God's purpose hasn't changed doesn't mean you still don't reap what you sow. But even though you're living in maybe a place that you don't want to live, God's saying, even here, my purpose is still the same. How great is the Father's love for us? How great is God that he says, my, my, my gifts are irrevocable. The plans I have for your life, they're irrevocable. So that means that you can mess up, you can make a mistake, and we don't do it intentionally, but when we fall and when we trip up and when we mess up, he just says, hey, listen, a righteous man is defined not by falling, but by the fact that he gets himself back up, he dusts himself back off, and he says, I'm going to keep pursuing your will. Paul would say, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Then listen to this last part. It, it hit a little bit differently today. To those who are called according to his purpose. You, you see, when you're called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. And we've talked about this in the past. We, we, we misquote uh, this scripture. We say, all things work together for my good. No, they don't. <laughs> Sorry. They work together for his good. So that means that there could be things that have happened. There could be mistakes and failures and delays and pains. And God says, listen, it's all going to work for good. To those who are called according to my purpose, as long as you realign yourself with purpose, as long as you get back on the path, purpose will meet you. Thank you, Jesus. And there Jonah is adjusting to the environment, cleaning himself up while he still smells like fish vomit. Well, he still has the pruny skin. I just was kind of imagining what Joan had to imagine. It was like, you know, sitting in the acid of the fish's stomach. I don't know. I'm not sure. He may have looked a little, he may have been like complete albino, you know, alpecia, whatever that's called, or no hair. And he still has the, prunies, the pruniness on his fingies, right? And he's still like, ew. He's still kind of shaking some seaweed that's been lodged between his toes. He's trying to figure out where he is. He's trying to adjust to the light. You know, someone comes in the bedroom and they turn on the lights and you're like, my goodness. You assaulted my eyeballs. Jonah's trying to process what just happened. And it says, the word of the Lord. <laughs> he still smells like vomit. 
the word of the Lord comes to him a second time. And he says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. See, see, that's how God makes it. He makes it so easy. Go, and I'll tell you what to say. Go, and I'll tell you what to do. Go, and I'll open the door. He, he said when you stand before kings and, and, and you are in places where you're put on a, a pedestal and you're asked to defend yourself, don't worry about it because I'll put the words in your mouth. Go, and, and then I'll give you the words. This time Jonah gets back on the path and once again begins to pursue purpose. No longer divided, but now determined. No longer his will, but now he submits to the will of God. And, and he begins to walk on this God-ordained path of purpose. Uh, you know, I, as I was thinking about this, there was a scripture that just kept coming to my mind and that didn't seem to fit until yesterday. God, I, I kind of lined this, this scripture, but I started thinking about Jesus and how he was the greatest example of walking in purpose. He was blameless. He was a perfect example. Every move was purposeful. Every interaction was intentional. And, and long before his life in, in ministry were on display, Isaiah was given a peek behind the curtain. And he spoke many things in, in his writings pertaining to the life and ministry of the coming of the Messiah. But, but within the book of Isaiah are four sections that... Isaiah records or describes the service, the suffering, and the exaltation of the Messiah. They're, they're affectionately referred to as servant songs. You'll find them in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 52. Each one of them gives us insight into the life of Jesus. Each one of us shines light on the characteristic of the Savior. But it's the third one, the third song that I direct your attention to today. For Isaiah gives us an important distinguishing attribute that would define the life, the ministry, and the walk of the Messiah. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 6. He said, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. And look at this next part. Therefore, as a result of this, as a result of being struck, as a result of being plucked in the beard, as a result of the spitting and the shame, therefore, I have set my face like a flint. Flint is, if you don't know, a very hard rock. It's used figuratively in the servant song, and it's, and it's used to express the toughness of an impossible task. But it's also used to describe and express the inflexibility of unwavering determination. And Isaiah foresaw the, the steadfast determination of a Savior that would fulfill his purpose. Yes, the road is going to be difficult. Yes, it's going to be a difficult task. But it was the unwavering resolve to fulfill the will of the Father. Luke would record, and maybe, he, maybe he's thinking about what he learned when he was a child about Isaiah. But Luke would record it for himself when he would write in Luke 9 and 51. He said, now when it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
He knew the pain. I'm sure he could hear already the chants, crucify him, crucify him. I'm sure he could already feel the sting and the rejection of his closest friends running from him. And in that moment, when he considered what would happen, no other option but to set my face to the place that I'm going. That's because fulfilling his purpose was his priority. It was the reason he came. It was the reason for everything. And here's the next thing that you need to write down, that if we're going to be people of purpose, we need to understand this. And it's this. Fulfilling my purpose must be my priority. Fulfilling my purpose must be my priority. That means there's no plan B. There's there's no backup plan. There's no quitting. There's no giving up. There's no retiring. There's no backing down. But but we're individuals that have a singular focus, and that's kingdom purpose. That my life desire, hear me today, is not to make myself comfortable, but to continually align myself with the will of the Father. And I'm going to say, listen, God, I don't care what, what anyone else does. There's no plan B. I'm going to set my face to heaven. And whatever you want from me, whatever your desire is from my life, whatever your purpose is, whatever the door is that you might open, I've already made up my mind. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, it's going to be tough. Yes, you're going to be hated. Yes, you're going to be rejected. Yes, you're going to be uncomfortable. But fulfilling the kingdom of God and fulfilling kingdom purpose must be my priority. Luke, Luke knew so, no sooner talked about Jesus that, than he later, a couple verses later, records Jesus' statement where Jesus says in verse number 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He, he said, here's my example. Yes, it's hard. Yes, I'm going to wrestle with my humanity in a garden as I consider the nails that will be driven through my hands. Yes, I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle and, and drops of blood and sweat are going to fall from my face as I consider the agony and the torture. But if you, if you can't even get behind the plow and continue looking forward, if you continually crane your neck to what used to be, living for God is such such a challenge so much I have to give up you don't understand I, like King Agrippa almost you pers- I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say I like it I love what I feel but I just can't give up this life you're telling me that, that, if, that if I commit to the kingdom I'm going to have to give up that I'm not telling you anything it's what he's telling you And if he gave everything, why would I want to present just my head a living sacrifice? Why would I want to crawl on the altar on Sunday and then get off of it on Monday and say, it's my life Monday through Friday, and I'll crawl back on on Saturday? No. If he gave everything, why wouldn't I give everything for the kingdom of God? If he paid it all for me, why wouldn't I make it my priority? Why wouldn't I have unwavering determination? Why wouldn't I have an unwavering commitment to the plan of God? 
you know, 27 years, it's, it's beautiful to think of the, the journey. And, and some of you have been there from the beginning, but, but it's painful as you look through the, the, the seats and you see people who used to sit there. Sister so-and-so who used to sit over there. Oh, that good brother that used to be a good friend of mine. He used to sit back there. And all of a sudden, they got their eyes off of the cross. They got their eyes off of Calvary, and they started looking to themselves. They started looking to careers. They started looking to what they were given up. And they turned their back as they were on the plow and said, you know what, this isn't for me. And so 27 years speaks of the goodness of God, but it always also echoes people that used to be here that have walked away from God. And I could sit down with you and tell you tragic stories of people that have walked away and, and their marriage has just disintegrated and their lives were taken by, by suicide or whatnot. And, and we never wished none of that on them. And our heart was burdened when that happened. But Jesus said, if you can't give everything to the kingdom, you're going to be no good to me. If you just even look away for a little bit, it, just let someone else take your spot. Paul would say, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. Jesus would say, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. I commend you for running fast, but this is a long race. I appreciate your zeal. But I'd like to see that same zeal and passion for God three years later. I've learned. I've been criticized. I've been told you should do it this way. No, I'm in this for the long haul. There's nothing you are going to say to me that, that's going to make me miss heaven. There's nothing that anyone can do to me that's going to make me miss hearing him say, well done, my good and faithful sir. I've already made up my mind. He said, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. It's running with commitment. It's making the kingdom our priority. Look at men and women in the Bible. This is just a few of them. And we see the life they lived because of what they gave up. Elijah, he burnt his yoke of oxen. He, he, his wealth, everything that defined him, he just burned it, sold it, got rid of it. I'm not coming back to this. Jacob, Jacob's promise was Rachel. Laban deceived him. He could have been content with Leah. But he said, no, I'll work, I'll work another seven years. And there's some people today that, that God has given them a Rachel promise. And they've settled for a Leah Hear what I'm saying? God has said, this is my plan and this is my purpose for you. And a good job comes and we think, I know this is not the will of God, but this is really good. And so we settle for Leah and God's saying, no, the dream has always been Rachel. Joseph kept moving forward while in slavery and in prison. Esther risked her life. The disciples left everything to follow Jesus. Stephen refused to back down and suffered a martyr's death. All throughout Scripture, men and women prioritized purpose over comfort. They prioritized purpose over pleasure. They prioritized purpose over possessions. Because their purpose was the most important thing. What you want from my life, God, is all that matters. And so they willingly gave everything. God's purpose was more important than their plan. That's why Jesus, when, 
when his disciples say, teach us how to pray, he says, you can't have a good prayer time unless you say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. How often does prayer time become about me, about my kingdom coming, and about my will being done? And God, I, I want this, and God, I want that. And Lord, could you give me this, and could you bless me here? God saying, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added. Align yourself so that purpose is your priority, that the will of God is your central theme, that all you're seeking after is what God wants for your life, and everything else will fall into place. I speak from 27 years. He's never failed me. There's been times I've stepped out of alignment, and I've, I've felt it, but every time I'm in his will... It's not, it's, not, it's not perfect. It's not always sunshine. It's not always easy. It's not a cakewalk. But it's the best place you can ever be in the will of God, in his purpose, pursuing his path and his plan for your life. Jonah's back on the path. Jonah preaches that famous eight-word sermon that I have since made 8,000. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And verse 10 records the outcome. It says, then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Praise God. Next verse. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. Jonah was displeased that they listened. He was angry that God didn't bring disaster on them. He, he actually settled in uh, on the outskirts of the city, up on a hill, overlooking the city because he, he probably had some popcorn with the extra butter. You know that, the Mr., uh, whatever it's called? The, not Betty Crocker, that's the cakes. Um, you know which one I'm talking about. He was sitting up there eating the popcorn thinking, it's about to happen, it's about to happen, it's about to happen, and then nothing happens. It's like a preacher preaching a sermon and people responding to the sermon and I'm going, what are you doing down here? Well, you just called an altar call. I know, but I wasn't expecting you to come. Pastor, you preached a message and I've changed my life. Why? I wasn't expecting that to happen. So, so you preach what God tells you to preach and God performs and the people listen. This great, massive city that takes three days' journey to get through. A lot of people, 120,000. And all of them, even the cows, are required to fast. It's not just the people who are fasting. They make their animals go on the fast. And they all turn their hearts to God. And they all repent. And Jonah's like, come on. I'd have been better off if you just burned them all up, man. Now, now I, I don't understand that. Jonah would say to the Lord, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Lord, this is why I went to Tarshish. Think, think about this conversation. It sounds silly, but some of you have prayed similar prayers just in different situations. You're gracious and you're merciful. Yes, I am. That's why I let a, a great fish swallow you up and take you three days' journey and spit you up on the sea. And, and, and your life, was, you should be dead, Jonah. And he's saying cares about my life. You, you had mercy on them. I knew you were a merciful God. I knew you were filled with love. 
That's why I didn't want to go to these people. Because per adventure you would do what you said you would do. Therefore, O Lord, because this is the obvious next step. Take my life. Jonah, leave the drama for your mama, right? (laughs) My goodness. Jonah clearly wasn't married. Because imagine his wife being alongside him being like, really? Honey, today was a bad day at church. I just wish God would kill me now. Like, any of you ever come home from work and is like, they cut my break by five minutes. I just wish to be dead. And here's Jonah. It only makes sense, Lord, because you're faithful and because you love people, just take me away. Oh, good grief. Now, now this may seem a bit extreme and, and a little hard to wrap our head around, and that's good. If, if, you, if you can wrap your head around this, let's schedule an appointment for Monday and let's talk. But for the rest of us who think this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, most of us wouldn't wish death on our enemies, let alone the people we don't know. But, but maybe let's take it down to our level. What happens to us when our outcome and God's outcome differ? When what we hoped would happen and what actually happens are different. When I prayed for someone to be healed and God didn't heal them. When the perceived is different from the real. In those moments, how easy is it to prioritize purpose? And here's the last thing I need you to know. My purpose is to commit to the process, not the outcome. Let me say that again for those in back. My purpose is to commit to the process, not the outcome. I know I hit this, talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I felt the Lord prompt me to revisit this. Because we, we have become an outcome-based society. We celebrate outcomes without giving any thought to the process it took to get there. Our mantra is, show me the bottom line, show me the results, show me what you've attained, show me the numbers. We, we celebrate big things. And it's great in business. It's, it's great for you if you're in sales. It, it's great in sports and other arenas. But, but this is not how it works in the kingdom of God. And sometimes we're guilty of bringing worldly viewpoints into the kingdom of God and assuming that God plays by the rules that society plays by. And he doesn't. Because in the kingdom of God, it's all about faithfulness to the process. Paul knew this well. He said, Paul said, I planted, Apollo watered, but God brought the increase. Paul said, we do the work. God brings the growth. We submit to the process. God brings it to the pass. We, we listen to his voice. He brings his intended result to pass. That, that means if I pray that God heals someone, 
all I'm committing to is the process, not the outcome. When, when God says, go pray for this person, I have no idea what's going to happen. But by obedience, I step out and say, yes, Lord. And I pray the prayer he tells me to pray. God, would you touch my brother? Would you give him wisdom in this season? Would you open his eyes, Lord, to see what you want him to see? And I walk away not knowing what I said, what it meant, or what will happen. That's God's. That's not mine. And so often we pray prayers and we, we get discontent when the outcome doesn't match what we thought it should. Lord, 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 God forbid we pray a prayer and God does it and we start looking in the mirror and think, look what I did. I'm going to have to start putting a healer on my cards. I'm going to have to start saying I'm a deliverance ministry because when I, no, 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 God can use you for that, but it's not you. It's God that gets the glory for the outcome. Let me take this a step further. If time is passing and doors aren't opening, I'm committed to the process, not the outcome. Lord, you don't understand. I've been living for you faithfully, and this person just comes in, and they get promoted, and and this person comes in, and they get this. And God's saying, commit to the process. Again, this is his church, which means what happens in this church does not catch God by surprise. You may have been surprised, maybe not, and this is not meant to be a mean comment, but you may have been surprised when, when the vote came back and I became pastor. God wasn't surprised. It was written on his calendar a long time ago. And so whether you agreed or disagreed or felt indifferent, God didn't care. He said, this is my purpose. This is my plan. I will get the glory. It's my outcome, not your outcome. And so, so if you're faithfully pursuing the kingdom and you feel like nobody's noticing me, don't worry about the outcome. God wants to know, can you be faithful to the process? Can you be faithful to the path of purpose? One step at a time, God. One step at a time. God, God I'm witnessing to many people and none of them are coming to church. He says, listen, you just plant. You may just be the waterer, but when it's my time, I'll bring them in. When it's my time, I'll have a divine intersection, and you will know that it's me. And everything you've done up until this point is not in vain. Everything, he said, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And so maybe you're laboring today outside of your purpose, outside of his plan, and you think everything I'm doing, nothing's happening. God says, listen, unless I build it, unless I'm involved in it, Unless I'm leading it, unless I'm guiding it, everything you're doing is vanity. It's in vain. Unless God is involved. You see, for 27 years, we've committed to Bible studies. This church is committed to preaching the gospel, and it's not going to change in the next 27 years. We, we are committed to the apostolic doctrine. We are committed to repenting of your sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. In this church, he is one, because Scripture says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We believe in holiness internally and externally. We are not changing as culture changes. As every wind of doctrine changes, this church is founded on the word of God. Yeah. 
But please don't misunderstand how we got here. It's always been God. Talk to dad. The growth has been God. The miracles are from God. The provision is from God. The blessings are from God. This building was from God. The strength to move forward when we felt like we couldn't was from God. Every result, every good, and every perfect gift that has come in the past 27 years has been from God. And so our job is obedience to the process. God's job is the outcome. Your job, obedience, faithfulness, consistency. God's job, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the results. Please understand something. We're not, this church is not about building resumes. We're not trying to compete with the church down the road. So when the church down the road has revival, we celebrate what God's doing down the road. We're also not competing with one another. So when God starts using someone in a different way than he ever has, we say, thank you, Jesus. Because we are collectively the body of Christ. And we are moving together until he splits the sky and the trump of God sounds. We're going to keep doing this one day after another, one step after another. We're going to remain faithful to the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me all over this place? Could you just lift your hands in this room? I, I can't get past that point. God, help me. Help me to surrender to the outcome. I, I surrender the outcome to you, Jesus. Not my will. Your will be done. As Jesus was concluding his Sermon on the Mount, he began to talk about the last days. More than just the end times, he was speaking of how you would make it to heaven. And he says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in it by. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. David's understanding of this verse, he says, there's two paths. There's a broad path. There's a narrow path. There's, a, there's an easy path. There's a difficult path. There's a path that will lead to destruction. There's a path that will lead to life. There's one path. It's the wide one. It's packed. It's popular. Everyone's doing that. But then there's a narrow path. And he said it's filled with few who find it. And he would continue his thought. Verse 21, he would say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. What are you trying to say, Pastor? 
about purpose. Well, I, I guess it doesn't really matter what I'm saying. But, but Jesus said that it's going to be the one who does the will of the Father. He's the one who, who's on the right track. He's the one who's doing the difficult thing. He's the one that is going to eternal life. It's not just my wish that you would walk in your purpose. It's God's desire. I don't quite know how to end this series outside of just saying, I want to open these altars. You know where you are on the path. Maybe you're still trying to discover this. Maybe you're still wrestling. Or maybe you just need a little encouragement to keep moving forward. Maybe you've been so fixated on what the outcome should be that it's discouraged your walk. Wherever you are, I open these altars today. And I would ask that you would come down into this place and have some time to talk with God. And maybe that prayer looks like this. God, you know where I am. Would you help me to continue to be faithful on this journey? Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, for every person that is under the sound of my voice. I thank you for your purpose and your plan that you have for each of our lives. I thank you that you have been so faithful to us. You've given us the example of what it looks like to walk faithfully and purpose. And God, as we call ourselves Christians, that means to be Christ-like. And so would you help us today, Jesus, with every step we take on this journey. Lord, let it be bathed in purpose. Let us pursue you, God, with everything that's within us. No plan B, no backup plan, no slowing down. Like Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, pressing for what lies ahead, I press towards the mark. Help us today, Jesus, to press towards that mark. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Would you help us, Jesus?